Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. You just found the Squadcast link somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sneaking in. Alexander Hamilton is your podcaster name. I think yeah. you'll have to do the Hamilton intro scene or something like that now that you added that as your name. Uh, I'm going to spare everybody that. <laughs> <laughs> we can always edit it out. Yeah, I edited that out. Uh, if anyone wants that audio bite, they can just uh, send me some bitcoins or something. <laughs> <laughs> Those are hot commodities now. Yeah. Good thing I have a little bit. Yeah. Bad thing I only have a little bit. Yeah. I I keep looking at Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, kind of the, the popular ones. I'm not I mean I'm not a you know a serious Bitcoin trader, but I did I did put a little bit in when the pandemic hit because it just looked down. And yeah, it's uh kind of gone up a lot since then especially what is this ethereum in the last year has gone up 297 percent as of the time of the recording this so yeah that was, yeah, that I bought was ethereum good, in january. one of the few good decisions i made oh okay <laughs> in january oh in january yeah, yeah it's gone up quite a bit since january that's uh yeah that's almost that's all, two, i didn't, two and buy, a half I didn't buy a lot yeah yeah that's, know, i wanted that's to buy the more. thing liquidity that's the thing about this stuff is like if you don't buy enough that the gains are meaningful you're kind of just playing but then if you buy enough that the gains are meaningful then the losses might be meaningful too (laughs) oh you can always think of it as a hedge right so it's like yes like the way i think about it is like bit like if if bitcoin becomes a really like a really big deal and it's important Mm -hmm. to have some like it'll yep. be worth enough that'll be like then it'll become a significant part of my net worth at the right time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I I put it in enough when I did I was like probably you know 1% of my net worth at the time or something like that I put in and I'm like if this ends up 50xing or something or 100xing which is what some people think it's going to do like I'm talking long term. Then that that'll be great. That's like, you know, doubling my uh my current net worth over the period of however long that is so that's what i did and i'm like and if i lose it you know i think losing that much against the rest of my portfolio is kind of okay so it it was kind of that thing it's like if i lose this eh, it's okay it's kind of a bummer but it's okay but if it does what people are thinking it'll do so yeah can you tell that people are more optimistic now that (laughs) that, (laughs) that we have a vaccine on the way Welcome to Out of Bitcoin, a new series. <laughs> <laughs> Into Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think we need a vaccine. Absolutely. Uh, it's crazy out there. Yeah, it's really sad. Every time I get a little bit sort of mentally comfortable or maybe mentally lazy about it, I read another tweet thread from some 20 or 30 something year old that says they have long haul symptoms or effects from having had it. And they're like, yeah, the, the virus itself felt like I had the flu, but now I have this really weird symptom of, you know, fill in the blank. And it's like, that's the stuff that I think we don't even 
we're so we're so bad at focusing on the right numbers it's like deaths hospitalizations the long-term effects stuff is what that's what has us hunkered down and 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 hiding from a lot of things still it's just seems like we don't know yeah talking about like hedging and stuff like that like i was invited to a christmas party next weekend and like Mm. to me like going to a bar indoors it's like like the price uh, for for getting COVID right now when there is a vaccine like literally months is become very high like if i knew that i wouldn't get a vaccine for the next five years like maybe i would think differently yep. about it like the cost yep. benefit analysis would be different but like trade-offs right now of like yep. waiting it out <laughs> versus uh, yeah. getting it now like potentially like a few months before you get the vaccine it's pretty brutal yeah well that that's the same um this is the same same wager that uh, Ray Kurzweil uh, talks about with the singularity, and and folks that believe in that, it's that, you know, I he thinks that within this generation or the next one, humans will figure out how to, you know, whatever, upload their consciousness to the machine or whatever. So he he's like, he's like, you don't want to. He doesn't want to die <laughs> like three years before we figure out immortality (laughs) it's like on a much grander scale it's like also true (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's a trade-off with like a lot of a lot of like medical issues like Mm. Mm -hmm. do i keep this body part or will they come up with like a cure or yeah yeah pretty brutal that's the mental model of uh going over to our friend shane Parrish he he taught me to think about he's how reversible well, i mean i listen to his podcast that makes him <laughs> a friend these are my friends in 2020 <laughs> it's like, i listen to all my friends podcasts <laughs> it's uh that's how it works now but i i really like his point that when you're making a decision really the ability to hit control z or command z and undo it really should affect how long you think about it and what you just said like some of those decisions are one-way streets like there's no undo so that's why it's so heavy you know yeah yeah i know someone who has a glass eye and Hmm. it's like he could have like he basically had to decide like how long he wanted to keep the old eye like to see if maybe like they would come up with a way to fix it and then eventually like like okay i actually just need to deal with this now but it's just pretty brutal to have those kinds of decisions yeah yeah I, i'm not gonna ask any for any more details about where he kept it and <laughs> <laughs> no i mean it was still in his head the uh wait but i thought you said he got a glass eye Bad. oh yeah, he now he has a glass eye. eye i see oh he but didn't he want had... to keep the old eye like no he He's like, had to like decide how long he wanted to like have a bad eye versus just just going for it. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he went through with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, then you can't look back, right? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> great choice of words, Peter. <laughs> Sorry. I wasn't trying to be funny, actually. I'm just naturally <laughs> funny. <laughs> okay. This podcast needs to start now. Yeah. Yeah. It does. So, it does where were we? Us. Welcome back is what where we were. Thank you, Peter. Um, it's good to be back. Happy feeling. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanks. Cyber Monday. 
Yeah, yeah. Happy figure out if you're going to take advantage of the sale before it goes away day. How many deals did you put out up for Summit? <laughs> uh, zero. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> really not focused on that part of the funnel at the moment. The no, or, I, I, that's not the that's not the juice I'm trying to squeeze for at the moment. It's like so. There's no you know no queue outside of the Wensing House right now. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's no <laughs> people are not going. Man, <laughs> could really juice the conversions if only I <laughs> ran a Cyber Monday sale. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nope. None of that. So, mm-hmm. um, I. I did get a, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it in my update, but I did have some sales activity last week, which was exciting. Let's uh, move into your update. Okay. I think people have been missing you. Oh, well, thank you. And I miss you guys too, friends. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I had a upgrade happen last week on, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. And it made me feel really good because it was an upgrade from a hundred dollar month subscription to a $250 per month subscription and happened in awesome. Yeah. Happened in. Thank you. No, no salesmanship or effort on my part other than the product doing its thing. And I got an email. It was funny because I got an email saying that, um, they had been charged, um, a hundred and, $34 $34 and something cents, which is not a price that I offer. So I was worried that it was a bug. And then I realized that Chargebee had automatically prorated the rest of their calendar month subscription and only charged them the difference. So they had already put in, say, you know, X dollars and this charged them the Delta. H- however it worked out, it it, worked, it did the math for me and it worked out. And so um, it was right. And then I realized, wow, they just up, they just more than doubled their their pricing level and in summit we price it by the first level is a is zero dollars a month the second level is a hundred and then 150 200 250 so they jumped all the way from 100 to 250 just because you know they didn't it's not even an incremental jump in other words and that's awesome yeah yeah that's a nice sign huh yeah and then they sent me an email saying um it was the CEO sent me an email saying that his teammate has really has uh, really been enjoying the tool, had been going gangbusters on it from a usage standpoint, and so they upgraded their their sub, which was which is awesome. And then and then they asked if I had time to talk, uh, of course. So happy to talk. <laughs> um, sort it's of getting that after the fact was cool, but yeah, it really put a lot of wind in my sails to get that uh, first subscription, which is the week before. So they signed up the week before. And then they upgraded a week later. So to get that first subscription felt great. And then to get that upgrade, it I, I wanted to say it was my first expansion revenue. But then I realized, just to be pedantic, when you're doing freemium and you have a free tier, it's kind of all expansion revenue. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. yeah so this like is like a nice part about it is like people, like they know what they're getting, right? They Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like they just try like, to sign up because they want to see what events are like they already know what events are in summit because they ran out of them that's right they ran out of so they just wanted more fuel or more of the stuff that they already were getting so they were get they had 25 they wanted more than 25 so they upgraded first and then they had more than 20 they had up to 50 and i guess they thought well and this is the thing i i did come away with a, a bit of a new insight which is 
some pricing models actually have this element where the user can um, prepay or buy more than they, strictly speaking, need. So like a good example of this is like a hard drive on an Apple product or just a hard drive on any product, but like, or, you know, it's like, well, do I get the 256 gigabyte iPhone or the 128? And like, you probably don't start with that filled, but you know, you, you buy ahead and then like Apple gets all that profit from day one. It doesn't cost them anything additional for you to fill up that hard drive, of course. But I was thinking it's kind of cool when somebody on Summit buys a larger size account than they need today because they're kind of anticipating that they're going to fill it but they don't want to have to go through the experience of hitting like the ceiling again and then having to upgrade at the moment they'd rather just kind of stay in the flow that to me is like a really good sign that's like buying the big bucket of popcorn at the theater being like i know it's free refills for like this one but i really don't want to have to get up again i know i'm going to eat all this so i just don't want to have to go through the hassle of so it's just like this really the more i looked at it the more i thought wow this is a really positive signal from this person to basically say you know i only need this number but you know what let's go ahead and get the bigger bigger one to you know let's just jump to that just felt amazing you know and um that is just like that's i, I want to go back and kind of study them and a few others and really start to think about their journey and how they got to that and what they did to get there. And then that's that, man, that's the playbook for 2021. I think for me, it's more of those, please. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good playbook. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, maybe it's, it's a play. It's not a playbook yet, but, but, but we've seen now a few of these on film <laughs> set up the cameras and the, you know, the snow leopard goes by and we're like, Oh, did you see that? You know, but um, but I, Great I, don't metaphor, think, man. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that like we've seen this behavior in the wild now a couple times, and I think we could possibly go back and study it and figure out how to um, encourage it, you know, from more or get you know, um, just make the whole UX and UI and and onboarding experience and everything more oh, you know, they need to get to this moment and then to this moment and then this is what gets them to, you know. So there's just a lot of richness there that I haven't even yeah. dived into, but I expect to do that on the call with them. So that'll be cool. Yeah, like like what feeling were they trying to like w acquire when they bought that plan? Like what were the... Mm. Like, yeah, because mm -hmm. it's like a mental space, as you said, it's like, we want to have the feeling of just like having enough events and not have to think about it. It's like, and like, they just want to yeah. splurge and just don't have to think about it. And they like the idea yeah. of just having like all the events they need and they can go really deep. And yeah. Yeah. I think it speaks to some, I mean, without overstating it, like I think it speaks to some element of, they don't want to be interrupted by that process again. And so in some sense, I could see that happening when, say, the buyer has the credit card or has the purchasing power, right? But the user is somebody else. I could kind of see this in a lot of SaaS products when the person with the card, and I don't know if this was the case with them, but 
two levels to this. One is if I'm really going to be in the flow with something, I don't want to be interrupted by an upgrade button again, not not anytime soon. So that's one thing. If, if there's a gestalt about it, using the product, you don't want to be interrupted. But then it's like, if you all you have to do is reach into your pocket and pull out your credit card, that's not so bad. But what if you have to go to your boss or somebody else in your team for a card and then stop what you were doing and then wait for them to do that? That could be days or hours, right? That's a really painful interruption. So and that's easy to miss as the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, folks that are carrying around the company card don't feel that as much. Um, or even if let's say the person has authority, it's not like they're a hierarchical business, but it's just like, Hey, we all want to use this card to do our purchasing. Oh, well, Dave is out of the office or, you know, Sherry's out of the office. Okay, great. Or whatever. They're in a meeting. I need that card. Um, even if it's not a purchase approval process, that's a that's much higher friction. So I could see in those situations somebody being like, "How many do you think you need? You know, roughly to really go all out? Ah, eh, this number." And then they just like they just kind of go for it and yeah. buy. And if you're the if you're the SaaS business, if you can create that kind of, I've been listening to a lot of Rahul Vora lately, <laughs> but it's almost like if you can create that level of engagement out of the end user where they don't want to be interrupted. They really, really don't want to be interrupted. Like that flow is worth something. Then I think you could probably get that to happen more frequently where, listen, I don't want to run out of memory or hard drive space or events or deployments or whatever it is. So can we just get the one that's twice the size that we need right now so that as we're in the middle of a project or a thing or whatever, we don't have to go through this process again. And then they look and they're like, what is it? Oh, it's only an extra 50 bucks a month. Are we going to use it anyway? Yeah. Okay, fine. And then they just go for it. And then you've captured surplus as the SaaS business, right? Which is valuable. <laughs> um, definitely higher LTV, but but surplus in the short term too. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I'm going to talk about, about some similar things in my update. <laughs> See how it relates. Cool. Um well, I, I want you to be able to get to that. So I'm now I'm thinking, okay, that was kind of the maker side. And that, and that happened while I was sort of on vacation, which is really cool. Um, the, the um, did I say manager? That was the manager side. On the maker side, I actually did a few one hour here or there um, efforts over the week. Um, kids are out of school for the entire week. We didn't go travel anywhere. So I had some downtime here and there. And uh, so I would sit down at the computer for like an hour or half an hour. And I was able to, um, one of one of my uh, best customers created a Loom recording of them using the product. And it was about nice. mm, 10, 11 minutes long. And they sent it to me. And they put QuickBooks Online, which is their accounting system, right up next to Summit. And they did split browsers or two browsers on the screen at the same time and he just like went at it from a sort of i don't want to say mental models again but sort of data model and ux model perspective of like in quickbooks i'm thinking about this then i come into summit which is also you know an accounting system sort of and it's not jiving like i see balance sheet here and i see financing here and i see you know um what was the other example I see this organized this way and I see this organized that way. And so he's just pointing out all of these, I like to call them like impedance mismatches, like just 
where things aren't quite lining up and it's creating friction for him mentally. And then he also introduced me to his CPA and said, hey, our CPA is going to be, we'd like them to become a power user of Summit because we're going to adopt it as a company and we want our CPA to be in there. The problem is with the way you have it organized right now, it's going to be kind of off-putting to a finance professional because it's too it's too um, unorthodox in terms of the labels and how it's laid out. But if you could do this, this, and this, and so he pointed out just like him, mean, he gave me this awesome shopping list, if you will, to-do list of like, tweak this, tweak this, tweak this, tweak. So I was able to come in and like, I mean, it's like having your, it's like having a ticket written by your boss that just says like, do this. I didn't disagree with any of it. So I was able to just go through item by item. I would, you know, tweak, commit, deploy, and then link it, link him to it. And he'd be like, oh, what a gift. great. Yeah. I did that probably three or four times. And by the end, he's like, you are on fire. I'm like, dude, it's really easy when you know what label to change and what to change it to. This is not hard. And I really felt he, he was so right. Like now when you hold an accounting system up to Summit, balance sheet maps to balance sheet. You know, um, what was, what was the other example? Like assets and liabilities matches to assets, liabilities, revenue matches to revenue, you know, line things are, you know, top line cogs in the middle, bottom line profits. Like I, I rearranged the table of the output in Summit as well to match a standard P&L format. And I put the balance sheet section by itself at the bottom, which is not technically supposed to be on the P&L sheet. But a lot of founders do that when they're organizing their G sheet and they want to see cash and runway on the same page as, as MRR and and accrual-based accounting um, P&L sheet. So just doing that reorganizing, I think, really clarified the positioning of Summit and then how to integrate this accounting system these accounting systems anyway, which is what I started working on this morning, finally, finally. And it was funny because I, when I initially got the link to that 10 minute video, I was like, oh no, you know how this is. Like watching somebody use your product, isn't that the most terrifying and painful roller coaster? I still love it. Like that's oh, favorite, I know. my favorite tickets. Of course. <laughs> of course. But for me, there's always a deep breath beforehand and kind of like, white knuckle moments where you're just like oh no you know i got i get to watch them struggle and you just feel so helpless (laughs) you already built my products so mm, oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) you just just tell well they wouldn't find anything yeah oh oh, i see i see yeah (laughs) well so i built mine and because (laughs) of that it's not perfect um but no it, it ended up being such a gift like you said because so dead on and and very i feel like those videos should almost come with like a a warning label you know heavy changes ahead or heavy recommendations ahead versus small tweaks that make a big difference we we all like the latter and that's what it ended up being which is really cool so i was able to make all of those changes pretty much with an hour here or there and 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 ship all those um before today and now this morning i sat down to do the actual accounting integration and it's it's now helping me like see what to do in the app like the mapping of the data to the date like it's 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 so much better so i'm i'm really really encouraged by that by getting the feedback but then making those changes and i feel like there's this almost audible click 
in terms of Summit's positioning vis-a-vis like those systems of record, the accounting systems especially, which are so core to what everybody does. It's really easy for me to see now how if you're if you have a monthly workflow around your QuickBooks or your Zero or your FreshBooks or whatever, it's really easy for me to see now how like asking your CPA or your CFO or somebody on the team to go in and check and make sure that Summit is also up to date. That's kind of a natural extension of that workflow as opposed to a completely different headspace that's divorced from traditional finance, right? And that for me is like such a big breakthrough because it means that I can finally go back to the marketing side of Summit and I think get the positioning right, product marketing right, because it's it's clear to me now how these systems connect and relate. Relate, I guess, would be the word. Um, so that's a really great way to start December, you know, is feeling clarity and confidence, which I did not have at the start of November for a variety of reasons. So it's, it's a, it's a good, good place to be. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that sounds good. Sounds like some, some nice events to celebrate over the Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, things are, things are going well, I guess, uh, personal update, looking forward to the holidays, but then we're moving in January as well. So life yeah. is about to get even busier. Same here. That's right. Uh, in January, are you moving? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Unless we convince them to give them give the keys in the end of December. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we move in the second we get the keys. <laughs> yeah. 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 Somebody asked us, like, "Oh, are you all at all nostalgic or going to miss your current place because you've been there for what is it? It'll be eight years when we move." just shy one month shy of eight years we're like nope <laughs> it's like <laughs> we are moving as soon as possible um so yeah looking forward to that but that'll be mid-january so i think between kind of one more sprint to get accounting stuff integrated and the holidays you know christmas time will be upon me uh kids will be out of school and then moving like it's going to be a busy however long so i kind of look at the next couple weeks from a manager standpoint as uh <laughs> it's kind of like it for the year in a way um so that's kind of we'll where my, a, my head weekly at. updates on our moving yeah and then we can, we can talk about that i'm 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 so stoked i'm gonna have an office for the first time in a very long time which is cool so yeah me yeah. too so how are you doing uh over there speaking of juggling family and offices and work from home yeah we uh we need some more space. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's a Maybe thing. Like the past, <laughs> yeah, the past two weeks, I've had this kind of like um, daily ritual, uh, or not daily, but one day every week <laughs> ritual of uh, driving to Maya's parents in the morning, dropping mm-hmm. off her and our son, and that's like halfway to our cabin, and then drive to mm. the cabin myself for the day hmm. and just firing up the stove and sit in front of the fire and work for the whole day and then go for a walk in the afternoon in the forest and then drive back to them pick them up and then go home and it's just been it's been a nice way yeah. to like get out of this tiny pad a bit and get some work done and yeah it's been working really well i think we're gonna do that this week as well 
Got so. it. When you when you guys move, how will you continue to? Uh, I know when COVID uh, protections, if you will, were were lowered. You were meeting. You were going into an office a little bit. Have you been doing that lately? Uh, we kind of like canceled our office. Um, okay, but I think the next when when the coast is clear again, I think next time we'll get our own office potentially a co-working space, but I really like the idea of just like finding a cheap little mm-hmm. office mm-hmm. somewhere and have our own kind of setup. Um, okay. Branch, yeah, yeah. Branch HQ, even though it's just, you know, two people or something like that. It's still nice. Yeah. And then, you know, then you can go there even with COVID like, you know, that's right. Yep. It, yeah, exactly. If Bjorn and you are in each other's sort of safe pod then yeah i mean we could even like go but not at the same time just because oh, true, true. needs to get out of the <laughs> out of the house yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense cool yeah so how is how is branch yeah. running my friend how's branch doing you know i've been doing a lot of those calls and yeah i was sharing a screenshot earlier today of like an email exchange with someone yeah and it's like I don't like no one gets through my inbox right now be- without getting like a mom test kind of <laughs> question. <laughs> I I just try to squeeze out as much information I can from everyone. Yeah. Um so related to that I there's one one thing that's come up a lot like in the past few converse- last few conversations I've had and that is one of my competitors I didn't really see them much as a competitor in the beginning. Um, but the more we've become a deployment tool, the more people are comparing us to other strictly deployment tools. And especially one is like, it has come up a lot. And so there's a few things about it. First of all, they're obviously more established because they've been around uh, for a long time. And mm. that's, I think that's both their strength and their weakness. <laughs> um, they are kind of like from the era. And when I say era, I mean like 2008, 2015 era, mm-hmm. where it's like you had a deployment tool and it's not a CI or anything like that. It's more like we can like grab your files and like run like a command to push them th- somewhere. But it's mm. kind of like we decide what that command is. Um, okay. And we have like ways of doing it. So it's it's hmm. more fixed, whereas branch started as a CI tool. And then basically all the features we have now are just built on top of that. So it's much more flexible and it's a kind of like a different paradigm mm-hmm. of seeing things. I think there's a lot there are a lot of benefits to what they do because it's it's essentially hard coded a lot of it. So but that also means like if they know exactly the use case, they can make it really awesome because they can hard code everything for that exact use case, whereas branch is more flexible, mm-hmm. as I said, and it's more like recipe based. And mm-hmm. so I think we have more, like we have different constraints. Um, I like our approach more and it's more flexible and it, it allows us to move faster as well because we don't have to code things necessarily. Like we can just make it available and we can, we can, another thing we can do is like, we can see how people use branch. Like in my conversations, I've seen some use cases that ins- that have inspired me to have uh, recipes for that. For example, someone was telling me that they lost five days of work because an intern pushed the wrong 
mm. to the wrong server mm -hmm. and uh, they didn't have a backup so mm. they screwed up really bad um but then they found a way to script like a backup in branch so now they actually run a backup before they deploy and it's not a feature we really have but it was fairly easy for them to just do it anyways because we had the infrastructure to do it um, and we had the command line tools they needed to actually run the command to do the backup and we had the integration to their hosting platform that made it really easy so it's like but yeah obviously now we need that recipe because and it's a yeah. good story like as well yeah and it sucks for them like a week's work worth of work uh, is a lot for an agency uh, um, painful, yeah. yeah for sure when you get paid by the hour that's not great <laughs> no but um yeah I'm, I'm i mean i'm glad that they found a solution with branch of course but anyways that's just to say that we have a different our products are very different in their nature but people right now use them for a lot of the same things and another th core thing <laughs> that's different about this host or this not host this uh competitor of ours is that they're like they're a lot cheaper actually like 25 percent or something like that of mm -hmm. branch in terms of the price mm -hmm. um and they they have a lot of tiers um and that's kind of like what we talked about <laughs> in your update mm -hmm. like branch price go from like zero 50 150 um, and yep. they're just a lot cheaper than that. And they have really small increments. So it's more like 10, 20, oh, 30, okay. 40. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, and I had conversations with actually a handful of people that either were already using them because of especially one feature that they have, which is they allow you to know the IP address of their, uh, servers when they do the deployment mm -hmm. so you can go through a firewall you can mm -hmm. whitelist them mm -hmm. um we can't really we we can't do that right now the way branch is put together um and then the other thing is people chose them because of the price and um like that's just something i'm i'm thinking about this and it's like like i don't want people not to use branch because of the price like that's that annoys me mm -hmm. <laughs> and um Louis, Louis Nichols, is that his name? Yeah. Um, he had a nice tweet the other day where he said, like, people have a tendency to basically price based on potential, uh, potential value instead of perceived value. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, I'm the visionary founder. I see a lot of potential value in branch, and that's why I don't want to sell it too cheap. But at the same time, like, right now a lot of people are comparing me to a cheaper tool and it's like like they might not have the same potential as a branch but that's not what people care about when they necessarily like if they think branch is doing the same thing like right they pay more sure um mm. so yeah i don't know what to do about it yet um but i am curious like if i should try a different pricing um it's just it's not easy right it's all there's already an opportunity cost if you lower your price because <laughs> existing customers and stuff like that i guess you could try it for two weeks and mm -hmm. decide before you um you apply the same discount to everyone else um and it might not be the right way to go at all like i i don't know like we talked about before like having a price and then discounting it 
at first and then slowly increasing it. But um, yeah, that'd be another way to do it is just say, you know, the price is still the price, but we're going to be discounting subs, you know, until a certain date. And then, you know, as we build these things out, I mean, yeah, this is, it's a big topic. Can't do it justice now, but just for my own benefit, you're saying perceived value is lower do you do you think people are okay if this is true then some people are balking at the price right and that's what's preventing them from um from from converting right they're just like but then they they're potentially they're converting to a different tool like do you know how many folks that have come up against the your your sort of tripwire your paywall have not converted but then bought something else no i think i don't think that happens actually okay. so the 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 thing that i'm worrying about right now is people don't even sign up for branch because they know mm. that even though there's a, a free tier it's i mean it's not free in the sense that you invest in using a tool and then you have to pay for it eventually so when they look at the pricing table they know that they'll probably end up paying that even if they sign up for a free tier now. Mm. So I think I've been telling myself mm. Interesting. Um, that no no one has run out of built and then didn't want to upgrade um, if they were actually using the tool. Like then people huh. just upgrade. But that's I think that's because when they signed up, they, they were told themselves already this, willing to write, right. They weren't put off. Yeah, by I it. think the sale happened when they decided to invest the time in setting up the free huh. tier. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'd be interested in to see like actually making the price lower if that would encourage more people to sign up in the first place. Yeah. So not only converting more people, but also just getting more people through the door. Yeah, that's actually, that's a really, it's really clever because what is, this is, this is walking up to a menu outside some restaurants and just seeing like, ah, I'm hungry. I'm in the mood for whatever you know for for a burger whatever it is but like you look at the menu and you're like not really in the mood for a 25 dollar you know, burger right like you're like I, and you kind of move on and it's not because you didn't you know want to give it a try or because the drinks were too or whatever whatever but like yes they they qualified themselves out of your product just because the price was prohibitively expensive in their mind and yeah interesting thought um but I, I mean, I don't know if that's true. It's just mm. been a feeling. <laughs> I mean, to yeah. the extent that people are buying a thing in this space, that's good because it means buying is happening. It's just not happening as much for you as you want. So then, I mean, it's competition, yeah. but at least, yeah, at least there's another demand way to know, would, yeah. like, f for this not to be the case, like the free tier would have to be generous enough for for people to think that they could stay on it. I think because then they don't have to make the decision until they've suddenly like run out of builds. Right. Right. Which, yeah, it's interesting. Summit doesn't have pricing yeah. anywhere until you're already into it, but the free tier is really generous. Um, yeah. Like, honestly, I'm just tempted to just try to lower the price on the website and first of all, see if more people sign up. And then just see what happens. Not necessarily like go into Stripe and like update all the plans and, you know, 
uh, apply discount to all the existing customers and stuff like that. Just like see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Is, question about your your pay trigger again. Does the um does it reset every month? Yeah, yeah, it does. So, um, are people not consuming? Your main okay. Actually, I'll ask it th- this way because this is why I usually if you could if you could improve one metric about Branch's business, what which one would would you try to improve first? Is it you're not getting a lot of signups? You're not getting a lot of people doing a lot of deployments, or you're not getting a lot of conversions once people are doing a lot of deployments. Yeah, right now I think it's the middle. Uh, like the people that are converted are doing a lot of deployments, but the activation part is a problem right now. Mm. So, I mean, that obviously, like that, you could draw the conclusion that then the price isn't my biggest problem right now. But then at the same time, like it's still, like the volume is still really low. Like with the amount of signups we get, like if we would, if we got, three times as many signups with a lower price maybe we would learn faster and get a different activation rate who knows um, or mm. not a rate necessarily but more people activating yeah okay yeah i don't know i'm also starting to think like that actually the u.s election had more of an impact <laughs> on signups than i thought it would mm. Just in general, like the world been a little crazy, like the past month and now Thanksgiving and stuff like that. Because last week, actually, when it was, it felt more normal until Thanksgiving. Um, I actually had people in the live chat every day and I had people signing up and like it just felt like more stuff was happening, um, mm-hmm. which was nice. Hmm. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know about the pricing stuff. Like, I don't know if we necessarily need to come up with a solution right now, but it's just yeah, something yeah. like it's, it's one of the things that I'm like kind of like zooming in on right now. And I'm curious about like a, some mm-hmm. of the feedback I got, if it's something I need to worry about or not. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. It goes against my instinct as well to like start to like tweak the price when like that seems like something you do later on. Mm-hmm. Because we have customers and we have people that don't mind paying what they're paying. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. And now I remember the thing that kind of related to your update, actually. Um, I talked to my customer who recently upgraded to the $150 plan. And um, it was really interesting to kind of like understand or get into their mindset when they upgraded. Because uh, he actually talked quite a bit about it. But the trigger for them was that they had more than 10 projects and then you need to upgrade. Um, and he was saying how, like a few things that were interesting to, first of all, for a while they have been looking at the $150 plan and they have been like deleting inactive projects and stuff like that. And, you know, they've been cautious, cautiously not like hit the 10 site limit, um, Mm. which is not necessarily in my interest as well. Like I actually just want them to do as many, uh, deployments as possible and use mm-hmm. the tool as much as possible. But at the same time, like you need some sort of threshold. Of course. And then mm. finally, like they had sold some maintenance plans and stuff like that. So a few customers, like they needed to keep them active so they could on a weekly basis 
and I push little updates and stuff like that. Um, and then it just like with their business model, actually, in the end, it just kind of made sense because they had those maintenance deals and they were adding more and more of those and then the active projects as well. So like in the end, like that's when it, it, it made sense to them, but it was, it was a, it felt like a fairly big decision for them. Um, then the funny thing was like now their mindset has seemed to have changed a bit um, because now they are over the threshold. So like now they want to use it a lot. Like now they want to use it as much as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. So for example, they weren't using it on their own website and they had a fairly complicated setup for their own website because they wanted uh, that site to be sort of like a case study for customers. So Mm -hmm. it's like their flagship website is their own website. Um, Mm -hmm. So they they had a really cool website and they didn't want to have that on branch because then they would have like maybe that would cause them to hit the 10 site or yeah 10 site uh, threshold um but now that they were on the big plan which has unlimited projects um they wanted to set that up on branch as well and now like they don't like now they want to use it as much as possible yeah but like I want them to have that feeling earlier on, I think. Like I want someone to sign yeah. up and have that feeling like I want to use this as much as I can. There's so much pr- I mean, I just what screams out to me in all of this is just so much price sensitivity, right? Yeah. Like to More go through those, think maybe. Yeah, to go through those gymnastics over the price. Um that is weird. Yeah, especially when you're weird. paid by the hour like it's like Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Irrational. It, it, it is. But, you know, there's um, some industries and some people carry around almost like these, uh, just this frugality to, to is a cultural, th- it's, it's cultural. And so they, anywhere they can dodge a cost, they want to do it because it's how they have learned to just survive in a difficult environment. And so playing games like that to avoid paying a number that is not going to sink your business. Um, it's an interesting, interesting signal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, the thing is with uh, the he's like, sorry. No, it, it, it just tells me that like it, they see it as a cost center to to keep as low as possible and then you're also there's there's just the status quo bias of is this really that much better than the way we do it today right it feels like they're struggling with that decision too much like um yeah anyway it go and then, then we get into pain and a whole bunch of other stuff but it just uh yeah, how how much pain are these? Yeah, I think like if you're running three businesses, yeah, and you had an account like accounting software that allowed you to use it on one business per license or two, like you wouldn't just say like, okay, I'll just I'll just do the accounting for the third business manually because I don't want to pay for like an extra license. It's the small business, like you would never do that. Like you would be right. like, okay, I need the tool. Sorry, like that's just whatever. Yeah. That's just what it is. Of course. But yeah, and this seems a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, that is. But it's interesting when you say like with cost centers, because the agencies, like they like stuff that they can add to the client's invoice, 
Like mm-hmm. if they need a certain plugin, for example, for a site, like they add it to the invoice. So in theory, like if branch were priced per site, like it would be easier for them to charge the client. And but that would only make sense if they ha- already had like an ongoing recurring setup with the client, um, like a maintenance agreement or something like that, mm-hmm. or like a care plan or something they sold. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what happened in this situation. Like they had a bunch of those come through um, where the client is paying them a recurring fee every month. Hmm. And then it made sense for them because then branch actually helped them with that profit center, which mm-hmm. is the care plans. Hmm. Um, so it also made me think about like other things, like are there things we can add to branch that makes more of a recurring value to their customers? Like, like stuff that would be pretty easy to add to branch. It's like uptime monitoring, like S- monitoring SSL certificates, you know, dead links, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that would be an a, opportunity for an agency to tell the client, like we have these tools that we run, you know, every minute <laughs> to make sure your website is up and running. And that's why we charge you an extra $10 a month <laughs> on this invoice or whatever. Yeah. It, it, this reminds me a little bit of, something i was thinking about which is we we often talk about saving time and money as as like a headline for for SaaS, especially b2b and i don't know if we always quantify it enough to really put it in perspective so what i was thinking is you know it take a year of time if you 10x that right if you make that 10x faster so something would normally take somebody a year to do, you know, how much, um, how much do they really save in terms of, so a, one work year cut by 10 X or reduced by 90% is five weeks. One week reduced by 90% is a half a day. One day reduced by 90% is 48 minutes. One hour becomes six minutes. One minute becomes six seconds. And then six seconds becomes less than a second to roughly one web request. Like those are 10 X increases. So what I was thinking is like how many levels of compression, like time compression, does your solution actually shift hmm. for the user? Right. Does it yeah, is it 10x better? And what I was thinking is a lot of successful products are more than 10x. It's hmm. like because if something would normally take um a day and it takes me an hour or 48 minutes, maybe that's better. It's probably better. But if something takes me a six seconds instead of a minute, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I wasn't really planning to be productive all sixty seconds of the minute, right? So if 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 it takes me six seconds now, and I, so like, there's a lot of slack in a lot of industries, is what I realized. And sometimes you come up to people and you say like, "Hey, you know, every morning you sit down at your desk and the first thing you do is X, and you know how X takes you like an hour to do." we're going to make it take 10 minutes instead. It's like, that sounds amazing. But then the person's like, well, yeah, okay. But I'm being paid for the entire hour. I'm on a salary job. I'm going to be here all day. There's definitely 45 minutes out of every day that I waste anyway. And I kind of don't mind doing this thing that much, right? Like I'm, okay, I'm, I'm good at it. It's kind of what my employer sees me as being good at. So there's just no, there's no teeth on that pitch yeah because they're not valuing time at that quantum right no (sighs) 
But I think agencies are good at that because they're used to charging by the hour. So like an idea is like I could maybe send them an email with like, you know, let's say they did 100 deployments and they were three minutes each. Like I could send them in a monthly email that said like, range saved you 300 minutes or something like that this this month or whatever week or whatever well do they normally Anyways. charge? yeah i mean not off tangent but like if they normally charge for the time you, you know like we would normally charge our client for that i think it almost has to get to the point where they could be doing more the way cost centers end up winning is like this is taking me away from valuable work yeah. that i could be doing yeah yeah, that's true. So you're helping me reduce yeah. grunt work or low leverage work or low value work. Yeah, you don't want to necessarily reduce the billable hours. Yeah, why would you want to do that, right? That That's not even yeah. in their best interest. It's It reminds me of the incentives. XKCD, the XKCD uh, cartoon where yeah. the, there is one, a great one where it's like two developers, they're like playing with wooden swords or something like that. And their manager's yelling and they're like, oh, we're compiling. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like if you're used to running, uh, you know, your build scripts locally, and you have like a three minute break where you can go grab a coffee. Like, why do you want to do that in the cloud? Yeah, <laughs> and then no longer have that break. Yes, I don't want to automate that until somebody invents break. something else that you could be doing. Right? Um, yeah. So it's just it's just really tricky, and I think it can it can happen. But I do wonder, not to answer it on the spot now, but like for branch, how much of a shift is it? And, you know, some industries might require just a greater shift. You know, it has to be a hundred or a thousand X to really get adoption, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. I mean, it's, about. I think like it kind of like ties into the whole threshold mental model that mm -hmm. you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and that I mentioned last week as well. Yeah. I mean, the threshold might be more orders of magnitude. You know, if you can have something that used to take a day, take me five minutes, like, okay, you know, that's yeah. useful. It's like, we took this thing and we made it 10 times faster and, but you still have to do it 10 times a day. So like, let's make that one time a day. Yeah, exactly. Then it's a hundred X Then it's a hundred X. And now you're thinking, oh, you know, that's, um, I'm not going to build my client an hour for something that takes five minutes. So I can do, I can to more client work or whatever the rationale is. I just noticed this and with Risk Pulse, we were often trying to sell to a stakeholder that was extremely price sensitive and it was because they were being paid to do a job that was admittedly better done by a computer, but they were being paid to do a job that they had no incentive to spend money to have a computer do and then explain to their boss why they were hiring a SaaS to do work that they used to do. Right, it's just adding cost to the business. So, um, yeah. Tricky. Well, with branch is like the developers, like even as a developer, like even if you were paid to use an FTP client, like you would still rather not get paid and not have to use the FTP client because it's like you feel dirty, like you want to shower afterwards, like you, they hate it. Yeah. So, but they are looking for an excuse to tell their boss. To why they need this so they know like when i ask them they're like when i mm -hmm. talk to my boss like i need to make the case for the hours because he pays me by the hour and he wants me to not waste my time yeah yeah so we can say hey i can spend an extra hour improving the x project instead of working on this stuff 
Yeah. Yeah. So, really? You yeah. remember last time when we lost a week's of worth of work? <laughs> I would <laughs> like us not to do that again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, don't get me started on like, you know, sales that help prevent bad stuff because nobody ever thinks bad stuff is going to happen twice, you know, um, or, or, mm. or worse, they don't think it's going to happen the first time. So that's a tough sell as well. But anyway, we're supposed to be product like growth folks. We're not thinking too much about sales, right? <laughs> <laughs> what are sales? sales <clears throat> no black friday sales yeah yes. um i've been working on a side project kind of almost a side project well it's a uh, it's in the sweet spot between side project and r&d okay i kind of file it under the r&d tag i think is this, if it's a side um, project you're officially an indie hacker <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah it's probably more of an r&d project actually but basically like one thing I've been curious about lately is like hosting and it's, I've mentioned it here as well, like with the new stuff we're building with host, like, it, it, like dealing with all these other hosting companies, like sometimes you just think like, like in WordPress in the old days, like when I used to go to WordCamps, we would always like, when we had a few beers <laughs> late at night, like someone would always be like, Hey, let's fork WordPress. Um, <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of feel like sometimes I just want to like fork WordPress hosting because it's, mm. I feel like it's broken. Um, but also like, I don't want to build a hosting company right now. Uh, just with no, like, like that's just a big project and I have other things to build right now. And, yeah. but I'm, I'm curious enough about the idea and the space that I think about it a lot. Um, so I did something instead, uh, which is not building a hosting company, but basically I decided that as a, like a fun little R and D educational project i wanted to try to set up the ideal wordpress setup for myself um hmm. hosting and building and everything and so i've been diving into a lot of new cool tools one of them is terraform um i talked about like being completely intimidated by terraform last week yeah on my solo episode um but now i actually i i i've figured out how to run it um, and it's really awesome it's like you just have this configuration file and you're like, okay, I want a SQL instance in Google Cloud. I want to run this Docker image in this uh, you know, serverless uh, setup. I want this database to exist and I want this user to exist. And obviously they need to have access to the instance and it needs to be on that database instance. And obviously I also want the, the, the Docker image to be able to talk to that database instance um, and I want this and this and that and that, and you just do it and you just hit like Terraform apply. And it's like, oh, I'm going to do all of this type. Yes. If you want me to do it. Wow. <laughs> it's like insane. It's like, yeah, I don't know how to describe like the feeling it gives me, but it's, I get too excited about it. So that's a, that's a, how long do you think that would normally take? I don't know. Cause I haven't done it before because I'm, I'm freaking out when I go into those, like, Google Cloud and AWS and stuff like that. That's a good point. For, so for, much the person, stuff in there. for the person you're asking, the, the answer is going to be different. But you're talking about, in your case, it's it's day to week sort of level of effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's reducing it yeah, to a few cool thing, seconds, a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, but the, the cool thing is like, it might take a while to set it up, but then like, you can just run it again and you, it, it'll do it again. Like, <laughs> wow. Or you can like, 
realize that you forgot to add like a certain user type or something user role you just add it and it just makes sure that everything works together nicely like it's like you don't need to go into the ui anymore like you just hmm. it's cool like imagine like you've seen those like deploy to netlify things that people have in their git repositories like i think that's the future like why like if i'm installing laravel or like starting a new laravel project and it just has like a terraform file for google cloud or aws in there like i'll just hit terraform apply and like everything will just be spun up for me mm. it's cool um but anyways like i'm just trying to like see what's the what's the nicest setup in terms of framework in terms of plugins I want to use, in terms of hosting, in terms of automation, in terms of CI/CD, um, and just you know, like I've seen a lot, like I see a lot of people's workflows. Um, so I want to build like the ideal workflow for myself, and then the thinking behind it is like that's a good opportunity for me to also see more holist holistically, like understand the entire process and see like where there are room for improvements and hmm. yeah where branch cool. fits in in this entire workflow um and it's fun yeah, yeah. that is cool i mean uh i was gonna say wp engine was founded in 2010 so yeah we're it's been a while I could since found a new one in 2020 i mean it, it's sort of one of those things where after long enough there's an unfair advantage to starting with what the world is today as opposed to what it was 11 years ago right so yeah it's, it's a fun exercise anyway so yeah sounds sounds cool yeah and i mean i'm learning something that's valuable to branch as well exactly like yeah we should already be using terraform and we're not um mm. but i think we will in the future because it's really cool cool I also I got an idea for a WordPress plugin already uh, by doing this. Uh, I found one that worked, but I think this person did not understand the potential of this plugin. Like, <laughs> I think, yeah, I kind of want to ask if they want to if I can acquire it from them. <laughs> cool, <laughs> anonymous. Because uh, it's like it 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 has an extremely cool feature, and that solves like a very big problem that I think it solves a very complicated problem in WordPress in a very simple way without really knowing it or really understanding that they do that. And then like their flagship feature to on their like to for their premium version is like, and we'll send you an email about it. Like we'll send you an email e every time we do this thing. Wow. <laughs> and that's like a premium feature. And I'm like, yeah. whoa. That's a weekend premium feature. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so it's hmm. fun. I'm having fun. Cool. Well, yeah. Let's uh, call it an episode. Let's let me go back to my side project. Okay. Yeah, I will we'll do. Don't <laughs> stand in the way. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's good to have you back. Good to be back. I'll chat to you all next week. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye for now. Bye.